2: critical hit Punch All Nazis takes place in the early days of World War II and combines high adventure with cosmic horror. All dates, locations, and historical events are thrown out the window in order to create a fun story, so don't put too much thought into historical inaccuracies. All accents are done poorly, but with love, and no disrespect is intended. Last time on Critical Critical Hit. Hit. Because this thing is terrifying. I mean, it's pretty scary. And it just lets out an incredible roar. Because it is reacting in pain. Why aren't you using the thing? It's out of ammo. From the trees, a platoon of British soldiers burst forth from the forest. You are riding along in a military truck, one of those transport trucks that have, you know, the troops sit in the back and behind that is attached a trailer that has the remains of this monstrosity that you have been fighting and that you were you know, kind of had your bacon pulled out of the fire moments ago. It's covered. It's wrapped up. So as they're quickly driving from Germany back into Belgium, if anybody were to see it, they would just think that it's dirty laundry or something. But you, uh, the the rest of you, the five of you, are currently sitting in the back of this truck. There are a couple of other British soldiers in the truck with you. In a body bag on the floor are the remains of Clyde.
3: Tried to tell him to run. Yeah. Uh,
2: if only he could speak from beyond the grave, he'd probably say, <laughs> "I was running." <laughs> now, Matthew, you uh, when we left, you were having uh, some difficulty breathing because you were vomiting so hard from the stench of this creature and you were choking you uh, were suffering an injury now the rest of your your stress so everybody's stress tracks you can clear those out and reset them because the brits have patched you up with with bandages and wraps and a cold compress here and there for those of you who needed it but matthew you've got like you know acid stomach acid burns on your on your throat and a cracked rib. Uh, maybe but you need to you need to heal that injury. And you can do that with a coordination plus medicine check. It's a difficulty of 2. And I don't have any thing There are no momentum. So we finished the adventure right. and so this is the start of our next adventure. So you all have I'm going to give you 3 fortune because you used fortune so well last time, but your momentum at the start of every adventure resets to 0. Now, you can give if you want to add additional uh, D twenties to your role. Of course, you can give the GM threat. Hmm. What sort of threat would be appropriate? You just give me threat, and then I get to use it later
1: on. Mm. So, how many threats sh- should I give him? Like six or seven threat, you guys? You yeah,
4: can just do give that. Him, you can just give him give, the just give him the twelve. Twelve threats. Yes. Okay. You can <laughs> give you
2: me. 12th? You can. You can add. Uh, what is it? You can. What is it? Five threat. For three additional dice for your roll for a maximum of five d20s that you would be rolling. I think that, that,
1: in the interest of playing the game and exploring the game, I would like to give you five threats. Oh dang! No, 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 no! Hear me
2: out on this.
3: What's well, no. So, the
1: that happen. He's already killed one of us.
3: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
2: Exactly. So what are, some, what are some things that can happen? Well, I could use one of these threats and I could increase the difficulty now to three instead of two. I could do that. Um, I could... Um, well, five of them increase the difficulty to seven. Uh, so that's, that's one thing that, that can, can, threat can be used for. Mm-hmm. Um, realize that when you're rolling five dice, you are also um, increasing the chance that you're going to roll a 20, which adds another complication or multiple complications to the scene or to your result. Mm -hmm. And because this is a D two, uh, the, and this is one thing that I wasn't doing previously. The remember when you roll a D 20, that's the, that results in a complication as the difficulty rises, the spread of the complication range also increases. So at a D two, Mm -hmm. You uh, will roll a complication if you roll a 19 or a 20. A D3 will be 18 through 20. A difficulty of four would be 17 through 20. Okay. So that's something to keep in mind. So if I roll five dice, anything above a 16 could have No, Uh, no, because the difficulty is still only two. Okay. Ah, got it. Okay. So anything above uh, 19 or 20 will result in a complication. Now on the opposite side of that, you have, uh, because you have to roll medicine, you have first aid as a focus. Mm-hmm. And if you look at your your rank in medicine, what is it? My medicine rank is a five. Okay, so that means that a five or lower mm-hmm. will result in your critical hit or your critical success. Okay. So you really have, uh, in this case, you're rolling 15 or lower and you get... Two successes if you roll anything that's five or less. Okay, but I am going to spend one of these threats because you're bouncing sure. around in a truck, mm-hmm. and I am going to increase that difficulty to three. Because you're a Okay, uh, no, just because you're bouncing around in a truck and it is uh, thematically, uh, sure. yeah, thematically accurate. If you're trying to, you know, take a uh, one of those because- uh, mylantas or something to coat your throat. Uh, you know, you might spill a little bit because the truck is literally not running on roads right now. It is literally going over the countryside, ba-boom, ba-boom, shaking and rattling you around.
4: Because Steven wants to hit you with a threat before all 12 of those go out and completely obliterate Brian from the universe. <laughs> right,
2: right, right. <laughs> you said this was coordination plus medicine? Uh, it is coordination plus medicine, yes. Okay. And so now so, your threat, your your complication range is... Uh, 18 three. to 20, but your success range, your critical success range is uh, five and less. Okay.
1: So if I add three to the
2: pool. Yes, you're rolling five. You're rolling roll 5 d B20 e, less. I know historically
1: 15. from critical hit that I am probably going to roll high when I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, or when it, when it, you know, would be thematically funniest. So um I'm gonna go ahead and do it. Yeah. Because honestly, the whole point of this is I'm I, I wanna break this system or find out how I can't break. So yes, I'm gonna roll 5D twenty at a 15. Less less 15. Less than 15. Okay. And I am gonna get three successes and one twenty and one nineteen. So blah, blah, So blah, you blah.
2: have uh three successes and two complications. So um here's the thing. Mm -hmm. You are a, what's what, tell me what's, what do you do to get this burning out of your throat? To get the burning out of my throat.
1: I am probably going to, uh, what does one do for the burning? I have some calcium carbonate tablets that are in the bottom bag. So I'm going to go down in there. I'm going to reach past some sharp things and some pointy things and some things that could literally probably, really shouldn't be me.
2: you probably shouldn't be saying about sharp pointy things to your gm and really have two complications <laughs> i'm just trying here. to this, this give you
1: it. complications <laughs> <laughs> that makes them make them yeah, that extent Just plain ball my this is the thing my allegiance is always to the story so uh but yeah i'm gonna do that i'm gonna get the calcium carbonate tablets that literally taste like dirt mm-hmm. and i'm gonna take about three of them and i'm gonna s- take a swig of them with uh what
2: do we th- what do you think you, you have water you have water you have, have water and caffeine yeah. is it clean water or is it just like i the, mean you filled it up you fell down in a creek so oh that's true yeah but i sealed it well okay There's so you drink that down and sure enough the burning sensation in your throat goes away but mm-hmm. your throat is really still kind of tender kind of so cruel. when you're speaking you can barely speak above a whisper oh that's just cruel I mean, your throat is really sore. Okay, so I can barely speak. Yeah, you're very, I mean, you can speak like,
0: ah,
1: yes, I'm,
2: you can, you can I, come out as a whisper.
1: How about if I go like this?
2: Yeah, there you go. So, Valentino. Yes? You found something in the tent before all heck broke loose.
3: <laughs> what What
2: have you done with that?
3: Uh, I feel like I could just kind of got it tucked and team my, like my, the, my jacket.
2: Have you shown it to anyone?
3: No. Um, I'm still kind of filling these guys out.
2: Which guys? The British forces or your own team? Yeah,
3: the British forces.
2: Okay. How about you roll a insight versus observation or in, insight plus okay. observation D1?
3: Would uh, instincts perhaps be a uh, applicable? Uh, yeah,
2: should... is that one of your focuses?
3: Focus, yeah,
2: yeah, sure. What is? Let's look here. Uh, you have a five. Okay, yeah. So five and less is going to yeah, give yeah. you a success, or I mean, give you a critical. And then uh, you're rolling less than a what we say sixteen. Sixteen.
3: So yeah, I will try this. I think I'm just going to stick with the two dice, and
2: that's fine. We'll... D one is all you need. Uh, just hey, gone. all right. You got oh, no, two successes. successes. All right. So you get one momentum. Right. One momentum has been added to the pool. Good job. The forces that you were dealing with, the the British soldiers that you were dealing with, were very stressed. You could tell that because everyone was in enemy territory. You've now crossed over into Belgium. You can tell you're heading far south from where your base was at. Uh, but they were very stressed at the time. But now that you've crossed over into Belgium, everyone kind of relaxes a little bit. At the time, the British soldiers were very concerned, number one, that American forces were at this site, and number two, that you suffered some injuries. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Brian, did you not suffer a lot of injuries?
3: Uh, Not a lot of injuries. I I mean,
2: stress. I'm sorry.
3: Yeah, I did suffer a lot of stress, yes.
2: So seeing the battered and bruised condition that both you and Doc Hellion were in, um, that that concerns them as well. So now that you're, you know, they're checking on you, but they're they don't want to sh- they don't want to really interact with you, if they can.
3: Okay. <laughs> you're also a bit cagey. I'll uh yeah, keep things close to my chest, literally. Okay. For now, at least.
2: So Dutch, <laughs> you're riding along. You also found some things at the camp. What are you what are you doing with those?
4: Holding on to them for now, but I'm not like I'm not going to like super hide them. Like these guys were these guys are allies and they were chasing them, so you know, I'm not okay. like, hey, I've got papers from those guys, but I'm also not like concealing them.
3: Okay.
2: All right. So they can see that you're holding a map in a in a book. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, we get to, uh, to Bug Eater. What do you think of all of this?
3: I'm trying to figure out how we're going to explain being in Belgium to our superiors.
2: Well, you're no. supposed to be in Belgium because that's where your, your headquarters
3: are. Germany. Uh, but yeah,
2: excuse yeah. me. Yeah. But yeah, how are you going to explain being in Germany? Well, that's a good thing because suddenly the truck pulls up to a, you know, a building in the middle of a small city in Belgium. Uh, it is now October 11th, 1939, and you are hustled into a waiting or meeting room. Uh, the room is sparsely des- d- decorated. There's a long table in the middle of the room and a chalkboard on the far side of the room. On the board, you can see a um, a map of Germany and Poland and a tracking path that seems very familiar. Uh, Dutch, would you please roll a reason plus academia difficulty of one? Uh, one success. Right. You get a success and you notice... When you take a moment to look at that chalkboard, you can see that the map that they have drawn on the chalkboard corresponds to the path that you saw on that map. Yeah. So that's something that you that you note. Okay. The British soldiers leave. They close the door. You're you're all alone in this room. It is bug eater. It's Doc. It's um, uh, Dutch, Valentino and Peasley. Don't forget Peasley. He's been sitting there kind of acting a little, I want to say a little strange, but he's, I think he's, he's used to gangsters, but maybe not giant barn sized monsters.
4: Well, he got conked out, right?
2: They found him passed out. Oh, okay. So, uh, what what are we gonna, what are we gonna say?
4: To whom? To these guys? Yeah. I think they know more than we do.
3: Yeah. They I, they
4: seemed to understand
2: what was going on.
3: But I don't think there'd be any obfuscating what's happening with our situation at this point to them. Are we going to admit that we were lost? I think, Did, I, think we better, I, I think we
4: better admit that we were lost. Otherwise, this could turn into an international incident.
3: Yeah, otherwise, it—well, more of one. Act of hostilities otherwise.
4: Yeah. Okay. I mean, you saw that thing. If they... Oh, yeah, I saw it. I, Do you guys have any idea what that was? No. About as much as you do. We don't know what that was. We don't know what those weapons were.
2: You guys, what weapon? Are you talking about that weird gun that Bug Eater had? Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. get to see it in action. What? Did you use it? Yeah.
1: Oh, uh, they take uh, that. It, it shot lightning. You're kidding me. The creature was some sort of abomination i'm wondering if some
4: sort of mysticism is involved okay all right that's a bunch of all re-dog. right yeah all right C- calm down this is probably some sort of nazi biological test like with it's mustard gas and stuff
3: a human
2: face true and far too many arms I don't think they were arms as much as they were like uh, those things octopuses have. Tentacles. Yeah. Octo arms. Yeah, yeah octo arms. Had a lot of them. And those teeth. Ugh. At that moment, the door to the room flies open, and in comes your sergeant, Sergeant Doolittle. He's followed by Captain Harris uh, and several British guards. You idiots! I've had it up to here with you. You were told not to cross the border. Do you know what kind of trouble you're in? I didn't fight in the Great War only to have you idiots drag this great unit of the fighting gobblers into an international conflict. You're going to be court-martialed and sent to Leavenworth. And then at that moment, you see another high-ranking British official enter the room. He's thin. He's got receding hair. He's got a fresh-pressed uniform. He's carrying a leather bag under his arm. And then you also hear from just outside the door, that'll do, Sergeant, at which point entering the room is General Eisenhower. What? You better all be standing to attention at this yeah. point. Peasley, yeah. Peasley jumps up as quickly as he can, and he is standing at attention and kind of looking at the rest of you, making sure that you're also standing at attention
3: as well. Yeah, yeah I think... I'm <laughs> I maybe like kind of sit there dumbfounded for like half a beat before I was like, "Oh yeah," and hop up.
2: He walks up to each of you in turn, like he's uh, you know examining you, uh, giving you the the once over. He looks at all of you in the eye, steps up to Valentina, looks you in the eyes, looks you up and down, looks at Doc, goes up to Peasley, looks at each side of Peasley's face because it's a little cut up and bruised. Bug eater, he looks down upon looks down at you dutch he looks at you and kind of gives you a nod well you boys certainly put us in a spot something needs to be dealt with sergeant do is right you're in a bit of a pickle i think we have a solution that will mutually beneficial benefit all the parties involved private uh Arbogast, can you tell uh, me what sir. happened at that at that camp
4: uh yes sir uh, we uh, uh, we got lost during a uh, recon- reconnaissance exercise. We came upon a camp uh, and we were attacked by the people in it. It turned out they were Nazis. Um, after we uh, defended ourselves and dispatched them, uh, we investigated the camp and found some strange stuff. Uh, like what at- stuff? Uh, some strange weaponry and um, uh, other uh, equipment like uh, weird helmets. These guys were not dressed like the usual rank and file uh, German troops. These guys had weird helmets and they had some insignia on them that I didn't recognize, sir.
2: Uh, Captain Harris speaks up. Oh, yeah, sir. Last day. Under know her from home and a lightning gun. And he's speaking kind of under his voice, because he even knows that Eisenhower is uh yeah, big kind of a, a, a big deal a big deal
3: an uh, insignia
2: an insignia you say mm-hmm. uh did it happen to look like this? You see a symbol that is it's circular, and in the middle of this dark circle is an offset circle that's also dark, and around it are these like bursts coming off mm-hmm. Is this the symbol that you saw? Somebody roll me a insight plus academia D one. Anybody can do it. You can all do it if you like.
3: Sure. Yeah.
2: Okay. Ryan has a success. I got three successes. You got three successes. So we'll add some momentum there. Doc got a success. Peasley did not get a success. Oh, this is not the symbol that you saw on, on those Nazis.
4: Yeah, the symbol we saw on those guys was like a wolf, wasn't it? hmm Yeah.
2: Uh, at which point, the the very dapper, thin British officer. Now, well, please let me introduce myself. I am Brigadier Justin Finnessy at your service. I believe this was the symbol that you saw, correct? And he pulls out of his leather satchel a picture of... What looks like a wolf's paw, and at the pad of the paw, it looks like a circular saw. Yeah, and oh, in the oh, center oh. of that is an eye. Right. Mm-hmm. So, is this the symbol that you saw?
4: Uh, yes, sir. That is the symbol that was on their uh, uniforms, and
2: I think on their helmets. Very curious. He kind of looks at at the captain, and they kind of share a quizzical look on each other. That that doesn't make a lot of sense. All right, boys, uh, uh, go ahead and tell me, what else did you see? This is Eisenhower talking to you again. Did the enemies you fought have any unusual abilities or powers? Uh, The
4: soldiers did not seem to. Uh, They seemed to be regular people. I guess Like look at the others. Yeah, uh, people not along. (laughs) Um, But uh, after that. Uh, we encountered uh, a a very strange creature, which at first was invisible, and then uh, was not invisible. And it was an enormous monstrosity with tentacles and eyes everywhere and teeth everywhere. And it was very tough. We shot several rounds into it, and it did not seem to slow it down. Um, The only thing that seemed to really... Scratchit was uh, using the uh, Nazi weapons on it.
2: I see. Uh-huh.
4: And mm. uh, after some uh, skirmishing with it, uh, that is when these uh, fine British gents found us uh, and were able to dispatch the creature with uh, a similar weapon, although I didn't see what it was.
2: This lightning gun and this uh, this helmet... Mm-hmm. Any of
1: that
2: malfunction during the fight? Uh, Less function
1: and more ran
4: out of ammo, sir. I see.
2: Mm-hmm. Any theories well, about what you faced?
4: Uh, uh, Doc was the one who had the helmet on.
2: I believe. So he turns to Valentino. All right, Doc. Uh, no, Doc is uh, is over there. Doc? Yes, sir. the helmet
1: allowed me to see what could not be seen without it.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He looks at uh, the brigadier, and the brigadier just kind of rolls his eyes a little bit and nods. It was extremely disturbing, and
1: I may have thrown the helmet after seeing the abomination.
2: Mm-hmm. He didn't think to maybe save that.
1: I, honestly, sir, I didn't think.
2: Uh, how do you feel physically and mentally after that incident? Any changes in your well-being or behavior since the incident? I am extremely... He looks at all of you. No, sir. ...by the whole thing. Sir. He looks at Bug Eater. Ever encountered something like this before? When you've been out in your... ...marchings?
1: Can't say that we have.
2: Not while marching, no he sighs and just turns to the brigadier and gives him a head nod. Well, towards the end of the Great War, we are aware that the Germans were messing around a bit with the supernatural, reanimating the dead, conjuring creatures like the ones you encountered last night. We believe those creatures, we are calling them Shogoths, were used in the Nazi campaign to invade Poland, and that is why they were able to take over the country so easily. Obviously, the Nazis want to keep this all a secret and are spinning the ridiculous story that their superior genetics are the mandate uh, that of their new order in Europe uh, is what allowed them to take over Poland so easily. Pauses for a moment, kind of shakes his head. Sorry, drifted off there a bit. We believe a man named Reinhard Weisler is the one controlling the supernatural division of the Nazi party and using spells, artifacts. We don't really know at this point. But they're using that to bring these monstrosities from beyond the pale. We're told that he's very close to Hitler, has his ear, and we believe he's convinced the Fuhrer that he can expand his reach power beyond Poland using the supernatural. He reaches back into his um, leather satchel, and Phinsey pulls out a photo. It's blurry. He hands it to you, but you can clearly see in this photo, there's Hitler and an old man with a bald head, glasses. He's very thin. The two of them are sitting on chairs, uh, kind of facing each other, like, you know, like uh, living room chairs. And Hitler is leaning in very close to hear what the other man is saying. This is the only picture we have of Weissler. We believe he was in Russia in 1908, may have opened a way for these Shogoths to come through and found a method to control them. All the divisions currently in place in the Nazi party were calling this division the Black Sun due to the starburst on the uniform. And again, he's indicating yeah, the Black Sun, the sun starburst bust that you saw a moment ago. And then he points uh, again to this this other wolf one. He goes, this is, we have no idea what this is. Now, fortunately... His Majesty the King understood the dire nature of the Nazis having control of these creatures, and with the funding of Sir Alec Towton, we were able to form Section M, a division in our military tasked with taking down these creatures and trying to stop this supernatural nonsense in his tracks. He slams his fist down on the table. A supernatural threat is real, says Eisenhower. We've seen the havoc the Black Sun is unleashing in Poland, and the fact that you encountered one of these... Shawgoths? So close to the border, we think France or Belgium might be next. Which brings us to our pinch point. We brought this information to President Roosevelt, but both he and Director Hoover refused to commit funds or resources to study and combat of the Black Sun. However, what we, and he's kind of indicating the brigadier and himself, what we are proposing is. To have an agreement. Officially, we want you out of the United States Army. there's any claims from Germany that you were in-country, we're set to deny all accusations. They simply don't have the proof you were there. Officially, we are here to observe and report, not to engage. You can see the Sergeant Doolittle just giving you guys the evil eye and nodding his head. Mm. Now, unofficially we want to transfer you to Section M. Instead of Leavenworth, you will gather information and go on missions for Section M, reporting back all the information you gather, which Section M will then share with Truman and Roosevelt. The hope is through your actions, you will be the deciding factor that will help tilt the president to our side. We want you to share all the information you have with Section M. Now, as you've already seen, this is going to be a dangerous mission. You will not have contact with family members back home, but we will do everything we can to get mail from them to you. At this point, this is one of the greatest things you can do for your country. And I'm going to ask each of you now, are you willing to risk everything to help your country and quite possibly the world? And then Doolittle shouts out, Hellion! Sir, yes, sir. Braxton. Sir, yes, sir. Peasley. Private Peasley, will you answer? You notice that Private Peasley is standing at attention, but he's at a relaxed attention. Mm Mm-hmm. And you see his head slowly pivot as if he's scanning the room. And he turns his head and he locks eyes with Valentino. And he does all of this without blinking an eye. And suddenly Captain Harris is like, we got a yeef! And he and two of these Section M soldiers immediately tackle Peasley, knock him to the ground, and Harris continues to pummel Peasley in the face until he passes out. Get him out of here. Sorry, Brigadier. He turns and drags Peasley out of the room. So, uh, what just happened, sir? <sighs> well, um, uh, hmm. We call it Yith. We don't know what's going on. It started about, oh, a year ago. Our people go into a trance like this and we suspect that it's the Black Sun mind-control program or some sort of method of them gathering information in highly secure locations. When we're able to get a person out of it, they go mad, screaming about cones and tentacles. We have a place over in Kent where we will care for... He looks around. Private Peasley, is it? Doolittle nods his head. When or if he regains his mental capabilities... uh, He may come back to you, but... Until then, we are going to have to keep him in a... Secure location. Lattich! Sir, yes, sir? Are you in on this mission? Yes, sir. Arbogast! Uh, yes, sir. Um, Arbogast. By chance, are you related to the industrialist... John Arbogast?
4: Uh... Yes, sir. That would be my father.
2: Fascinating. He looks at Eisenhower, who just kind of looks at all of you and he says, well, looks like you have your mission. Good luck, gentlemen. Welcome to the secret war. Eisenhower salutes all of you. And as he stands at attention, you notice a green glow appear around his body and he slowly fades from the room. My God. He truly is one of the great sorcerers.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Ah, sit what? Down, gentlemen. We, we have a lot of work to do.
3: Uh, okay.
2: Uh, Captain Harris reported that you lost a member of your team, and he holds up the necklace that you saw Clyde wearing. Do... Of you remember seeing this on Private Whitmore?
3: Uh, yeah, it uh did seem to have some kind of interesting reaction, such as, Oh, uh, when that uh creature was attacking, it seemed to be glowing,
2: and then what happened?
3: Uh, it kind of looked as if uh, he was. Throwing rocks and things, with the without touching them. Anything else? Ah, uh, not that I can recall. Although it didn't seem to hinder the beast too much.
2: Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. He takes a moment and looks at this at the stone again. Kind of deeply and longly, and then he just slips the necklace into his breast pocket, so beyond the weapons and the helmets that you recovered at the camp, did you find anything else?
3: uh, yeah, I got something that might be uh pertaining uh if we're <laughs> investigating supernatural forces. Sorry, I'm still just getting used to this prospect um yeah gentlemen
2: here. you have uh, very much um, you're going to see very many things in the coming weeks and days and months it's better to yeah. brace yourself now and prepare yourself mentally for what's to come
3: uh, yeah i'm working on that anyway uh yeah i did find this book i uh, did find it peculiar but i wasn't able to make much of it
2: nah okay he takes it And he does not open the book. What what is peculiar about this book? And he's taken it away from you.
3: I I mean, I'm not one of uh, languages like Dutch here, but it didn't seem to be anything that I could recall. You
2: looked into it in for a long time.
3: I Flipped it a bit. Yeah.
2: Anyone else?
4: Uh, No, I was the one who found it, and I just uh, passed it off to Valentina while I looked for other
2: stuff. What happened when you were examining the book?
3: I recall anything in particular. I just was uh, intrigued by it. Um,
2: Missing time? Strange sounds?
3: Uh, yeah, I I don't know. How long was I in that tent?
4: I mean, you were looking at that book for a bit. I, I found some other stuff too, um, right. but uh, yeah, you were you were reading that thing for a while. Yeah,
3: could be missing some time.
2: Hmm. And he snaps his finger, and one of the Section M soldiers—these uh, are the British soldiers—comes uh, over with a. The best way to describe this is a rough hewn leather satchel that has like runes, diagrams, things that you really, I don't think any of you have probably seen, although you can, anybody can roll an academia versus inside academia plus insight with a difficulty of one to see if you can recognize any of these things.
3: Sure. Do you okay. actually have to have at least one in the skill in question? No. Okay
2: you can that would be a zero then in that one in academia.
3: Well, one success and one oh Oh, uh,
2: and a complication.
3: And a complication. Oh boy, uh, okay. perfect. Well, two successes perhaps if crypt- <laughs> cryptography could apply, but I guess not so much.
2: <laughs> Let's go down the list. Uh Brian got a success in a complication?
3: Is that oh, correct? Yep. One success and one complication. Again, if it's not. And you're using
2: cartography. So if you're using cryptography, it looks like your academia is only two. So that three is not a double success. That would only be a single success. Mm -hmm. Right. Or no. I'm I'm, I'm sorry. You would have a double success on that. Uh, But you also have a complication. You recognize some of the symbols on the bag as maybe the counter or the inverse to the things that you saw in the book. but it really makes your head hurt a lot. And you need to suffer one mental stress because of this. Okay. Uh Doc. Hmm. I think the, I got one. you got one success, so that's good. Um <clears throat> you notice that these symbols, they seem familiar, but you really can't place where you've seen them before. You know you haven't seen them here in Europe. You know you haven't seen them uh when you are at boot camp. But they do seem familiar to you.
0: Huh.
2: Uh, Dutch. Yeah, kind of the same thing. Mm. Like, for some reason, when you look at this, it brings back a childhood memory. But you can't quite place it. Weird. And then, Bug Eater, you have zero successes in one complication. Oh, boy. What would you like? What should we have a complication for somebody who doesn't recognize these symbols at all? You get a headache. And you also suffer a, a, a stress, mental stress. You don't know why. I don't like this thing. Yeah, yeah, you do. You don't. You don't like this thing. But you see, the brigadier, he, you know, just dumps this book. He hasn't opened it up at all. He just takes this book, puts it in the bag. The section M officer or soldier closes up the bag, and you notice that there is like a, like a very secure locking mechanism on this bag. Like you need to have. It's like a, a combination lock on the bag and you know that in order to open up the bag, you're either going to have to try to destroy the bag. If you can, it looks like a very tough leather or you're going to have to do the combination to that lock or be good at picking locks. You say you found something else. He turns to, to Dutch.
4: Yeah. Dutch will pull out a book and a map and hand it over or hand over the map. and then sort of like hold out the book hold out the book open and be like these are their uh their notes as they were
2: chasing after this thing i believe Mm Hmm. mm Hmm. yeah mm. yes it does appear and he points to the chalkboard on the wall which you obviously saw earlier uh dutch it appears that they were also tracking the the creature uh, which is Uh, odd because i was i was going to
4: ask sir Do they, don't they, they do not have control of these?
2: That's the odd thing is that the black sun from what we've gathered are able to control these creatures.
4: These men were certainly German. I can tell you that. So Mm, mm -hmm, this isn't, mm -hmm. this isn't a faction outside of Germany.
2: This is new. This is a new, this is a new complication. So what do you remember on the map, Rodrigo? What do you remember about uh, what was on the map? Beyond just the um, path of the, of the track.
4: I remember they had. Sort of written where. And where. Like when they were at certain points. And where. And I know that it went through like a couple towns. Or like maybe the mm-hmm. last stop was a town. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you and
2: see. I, do you remember any words that were written on there? Uh, is it crystal? It is. Town? Okay. Yeah. He, looks uh, at, he looks at the big circled red. Crystal near a small town. And he says. This is interesting. We know this weapons, but we know their weapons are powered by these blue crystals. And he kind of points to to Bug Eater. You your lightning weapon was using this. Perhaps yeah. this is where they're keeping a cache or maybe a supply depot. Uh, Paris. And Harris comes back in. I think this is worth following up on. These are called the Blauer crystals. If we can just—and dis- he's talking to Harris now. If we can disrupt their supply chain, we can disrupt their use of these weapons. Oh, this is a nasty bit of kit, but this is this is good. This is very good. And then he looks at the at the notebook, and this is what?
4: Ah, uh, this is a, a journal that they were keeping um, of what they were doing each day. Uh, they also had a trunk with civilian clothes, um, hmm, but other than the. No, other than the book and this and the map, that is all we found that seemed relevant.
2: There was another beyond just the the data points where it said nine in there. do you remember what else was in that book i i I don't remember okay uh your character Dutch remembers that yes, there was um the word montauk and right. an address on it okay he'll like flip over to that hmm. He looks back at the map. He looks up the chalkboard. Brussels. He's looking around the room. Um, has anyone had a chance to visit Brussels? Anyone familiar with the city? Uh, yeah, I've been in Brussels. Hmm. Okay, that's that's good. Uh, and he looks. He's looking at the address. Why? Why Monday? Did something happen two days ago? Anyone? Or is this next Monday?
4: You know. Shrug.
2: You mentioned something about clothing.
4: Uh yes, they had uh civilian clothes with um uh I, I'm I'm guessing, Stephen, that they had like exactly the the clothes that each of them would wear. Like there were like what, like four of them? Mm-hmm. Five of them, yeah. Five of them, yeah. And like mm-hmm. you know, the right clothes for like five men. Were they clothes worn or were they clean or pressed? Yeah, they were pressed.
2: Well Press close seems to indicate that they were heading to Brussels for a Monday meeting. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Listen, boys, I'll be honest with you. After your encounter with the Shogoth, I'm not entirely sure you're ready to venture back into enemy territory. But this Brussels address is something we think that you Americans should be able to handle without too much difficulty. And you hear one of the Section M soldiers kind of snicker. Does that sound like something you can do? Do you want us to
4: investigate what's happening?
2: I think, I think checking out this um, this address and finding out why Monday is so important would be, um, it's obviously a clue, and that's what we're going to have to go on.
4: Uh, yeah, I
2: think we can do that. Very good, then. And he kind of stands up. Um, obviously, we can't have you running around with rifles and in military uniforms. So we're going to issue each of you a handgun, civilian clothes, and a vehicle. A civilian vehicle, not a military vehicle, of course. No sense taking public transit either.
4: All right. Um, Do you
2: have any questions for me?
4: uh, Yes. Uh, Are we... Like part of the British military
2: now? Are we civilians? As of of today, you are any kind of a man steps in and he starts handing you papers, has all your names in them, almost like they knew that you were going to say yes, but it just lists you all as Americans, civilians. It does not say anything about military or Section M or British or anything like that. As your great general Eisenhower said, uh, you are now working for Section M, but you are undercover. In fact, this whole organization is undercover. Anyone who uh, inquires, we are a branch of the British military, and uh, we go about our business just like any good product, proper British uh, military officer would do. But we don't talk about this stuff to the general public. Okay. So you are working for us. You will get paid. But your U.S. military has disavowed you. Right. Unless, of course, you would like to go to Leavenworth. No, sir. Okay, then. Anything else?
4: I don't believe so,
2: sir. Very well, then. And he turns around, goes out of the room. He's got his his leather satchel with him. Uh, The two, you know, the two remaining soldiers in the room turn and follow him and you are kind of expected to follow those soldiers and they take you to a small bunk area in the building where you can place your gear, you can get dressed in civilian clothes and so on. They leave you off in there for just a few moments.
4: All right. Well, uh, I don't know what we got ourselves into, boys. But it's uh, pretty serious. Yeah.
3: I suppose we'll just have to see what we can see and hope we can make the best of it.
4: Well, the well, ones, I'm not sure we have
3: much choice.
4: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess you can look at it this way. It probably won't be a very long tour. There we're already two men down.
3: <laughs> uh, That's not promising.
2: Uh, cold comfort. The door flies open and Sergeant Doolittle enters the room. What do you guys do? Uh, salute, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> At ease. You aren't even soldiers anymore, according to the general. No not want to ask my opinion, but I think this is a bad idea. I think it's a—you are a bad choice for this assignment. So don't screw it up any more than you already have. Then he steps in close to you. Now listen up. I know General Eisenhower said you were to share everything with Section M, but you should know that they're Sharon. And then there's sharing. We appreciate everything the Brits have done for you. And we certainly are on board with what they want to do. But we, that's capital we, have concerns. If this magic mumbo jumbo is real, then the United States is way behind everyone else. So if we're going to catch up, it would be advantageous if you wouldn't share everything he kind of shoots a stern look at Valentino.
3: Save some of that for us. Paula? Uh, yes, sir.
2: He looks at all of you with his little squinty eyes. Uh, yes, yeah, sir. Well, good luck then. And he leaves the room. The critical hit Punch All Nazis is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment and was produced and edited by me, Steven Schleicher. If you'd like to get a behind-the-scenes making of this episode, make sure you check out the GM Roundtable, the Octum Cthulhu edition, over on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash major spoilers. Each week, I discuss my plans for the upcoming game session, and Dr. Brad Will shares his reactions and advice on how to be a better game master. It's, uh, it's a time, and I, I want to warn you, there are tons of spoilers in each episode of the GM Roundtable. So if you don't like spoilers and don't want to know what is uh, happening next or don't want to get even more insight into the world building that's going on, then do not listen. Though, I will say, if you do listen, you'll be able to see how and where the players throw a wrench in my plans and you'll have a greater insight into the world that's being built in this campaign. This week, we have several NPCs who just so happen to be named after our associate-level patrons. Once again, Sergeant Doolittle is a shout-out to Larry Doolittle. Brigadier Phinnessy is our very own Justin Finnessy who's been a patron since 2021. And we were even able to give a shout-out to patron Fighting Gobbler. Yeah, the name of the U.S. Observational Forces. If you'd like for your name to appear as an NPC in a future episode of Critical Hit, become one of our associate producers at patreon.com slash spoilers. Finally, we want you to record yourself doing your best on Critical Hit and send it to us at podcast at Majorspoilers.com and your voice will join the growing chorus of fans just like Crim's Bacon did in this week's episode. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com or better yet, jump into the Critical Hit Discord channel. You can find a link in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and here's hoping all of your dice rolls are Critical Hits.
0: And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count.